Hey, Woodlawn family. We're so glad you're joining us today. My name is Katie Winton, and I'm the tech director here at Woodlawn. We love having you connect with us any way that you're comfortable, either watching or listening online or joining us at one of our campuses. We value you and want to help you plug in. The easiest way to do that is to visit woodlawnpcb.info. You can access message notes, give a gift, request prayer, and many other things all in one place. Before we get started, I wanted to give you a quick synopsis of this week's message. This week is the first week of the Advent season. For the church, the four weeks leading up to Christmas are called Advent because we're celebrating the arrival of Jesus born as a baby. Pastor Carmen Harper is going to get into all of that, so let's get right to it. Today we are beginning a new series for Advent called Make Room. Basically, it's letting go of those things that hinder our lives and our walks with God. It's laying down the things that distract us and deter us from God's will so that we can make room for the good things that God wants us to have in our lives. I don't know about you guys, but I have a tendency to hold on to the things that I shouldn't. You know, we go through life and we accumulate hurts and discontent and junk, and we hold on to them. We're going to talk about how to lay those things down so we can live lives that are honoring to God. And as we go through this series, we're going to talk about laying down distractions and bitterness and control. That's a big one, right? Because many of us think our spiritual gift is being in control of everything. And half the spouses said, Amen. <laughs> All that's coming up, but today we're going to be talking about our stuff. And now you're thinking, well, we need our stuff. Yes, we do. But ladies, do you really need 50 pairs of shoes? Don't laugh, man. I'm coming for your stuff too. But here's the truth of the matter. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. And some of the ladies are still saying, yes, but my shoes matter. <laughs> but all kidding aside, have you sat in front of the television lately? You barely get to watch the program that you've sat down to see because every two seconds you have to stop so they can show you five minutes of commercials with all the things that you just can't be happy without. Our culture is obsessed with consumerism, especially this time of year. That kind of thinking comes from the pit. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Satan got Adam and Eve to sin just by pointing out what they didn't have. And once he pointed out that one tree, it no longer mattered that they had orchards full of other trees that they could eat from because they wanted to eat from the one tree that they couldn't. And you can see what that kind of mess started. We're still paying for that decision thousands of years later. I'm telling you we're obsessed with stuff. We are conditioned by our culture to believe that enough is never enough. Oh, well, somebody fix it. It's annoying me. I know it's got to be annoying y'all. <laughs> okay. That's why everything that we have is new and improved. Because we already have everything that we need. So we need the new and improved version. 
And you say, oh, not me. Well, how many versions of the iPhone have you had? Because I'm on my third. King Solomon, who the Bible says was the wisest man aside from Jesus, who ever lived, says it this way in Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better one handful, thank you, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. What he is saying is it's better to have less of what does not matter and more of what does. And what's that have to do with our stuff? The calling that God has put on your life is much too important for you to waste it on the stuff that doesn't last. Y'all remember Cameron talking last week? She was talking about thankfulness. She talked about the things of this world being temporary and how they wear out and they can be stolen. And she mentioned that hurricane that in minutes took everything that some of us had. And if we put our lives into the things that we own, what happens to us when they're gone? The truth is, no matter how much we love Jesus, I don't know of a person in the United States that has a right relationship with their things. Think about it. Husbands and wives nowadays spend their entire lives away from their families to give them more than they actually need. How much are we actually losing the gain, what we don't really need? Jesus himself warned about our relationship with our stuff in Luke 12. He says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Watch out. Be on guard. Now right here is a good time to teach you something. You know when you're talking to your child and you want to make sure that they get it because what you're saying is important? So you repeat yourself. What you're saying to them is important. They need to understand it. I have to do that with my son Ian all the time. That's what God is doing right here. So when you find, you're reading the Bible and you find words or concepts that are repeated, God is trying to get your attention. It's time to listen. So if the God of the universe thinks that it's an important concept for us to grasp, then we probably need to pay attention. Because he's not only said it once, but he's repeating himself. That's what Jesus is doing here. Watch out. Be on guard. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The fact is, we know that's true. But it doesn't keep us from shopping. We, we don't really need anything. As much as the world judges people by what they wear and where they live and what they drive, none of that really matters. Is it a sin to have nice things? Well, it is if you love them more than you love God. Does it cost too much to drive that fancy car so that you can't afford to tithe? Then it is sin. Do you lose your mind if you get a scuff on your new shoes? Then you probably paid too much for them. The things that are truly important in this world don't come with price tags. 
Those are the things that Jesus wants us to focus on. Solomon said, better is one handful with peace than two with toil, stress, and anxiety. He called it chasing after the wind. Enjoy what you have and let it be enough. Anything more than that causes stress and you cannot catch the wind. It will never be enough. Ask my son, and and those of you that know him know this is true, how many Hot Wheels are enough? Because I guarantee it's not the number that he has already, which now numbers into the thousands. Even at such a young age, he is bought into the notion that he needs more. So I have talked and I have begged and I have talked some more, but he just doesn't get it yet. I can only pray that someday you will. So there are three things that we can do to combat this mindset. And you can ignore the notes because I changed them. (laughs) Number one is we can give it away. I know this will come as a shock to some of you, but it is really okay to let go of some of your stuff. I know this is a problem even in the church, and I'm going to tell you why I know. Have I ever told you guys about my Grammy? She's been a Christian longer than I've been alive, which is starting to be a long time. Salt of the earth woman. And I will guarantee that now at 86 years old, she still gets down on her knees every day to pray for me. She made sure I was in church from the time I was born. When I was little, back then they didn't have seatbelts, she had a big Lincoln and she would drive that thing all over town into the poorest neighborhoods in our little town and she would pick up kids and she would pile them on top of each other and she would take them to church. Most Sundays, we made two or three trips. She was going to make sure that every person that wanted to go to church got there. She was single-handedly the church's bus ministry for decades. She's always been known for her hospitality. At her house, there's always room for one more. But you know what else? For as long as I can remember, she has had a room full of stuff. Junk room, she calls it. More clothes than anybody could ever wear. Extra appliances, furniture and furnishings piled from the floor to the ceiling, doing no one any good. Excess. Why she has held on to everything, I can only guess. But what I know is hanging on to those things, they're not doing any good to any person. They're useless. Having a room that you can't use because it's so full of stuff that you don't use is useless. (laughs) The shame of it is, is when she crosses over to meet Jesus, somebody's going to have to go through all of that stuff. And it's going to take them weeks. That is not good stewardship, and it doesn't glorify God. During Jesus' earthly ministry, he met a young man that has now become known as the rich young ruler. He approaches Jesus and asks what he needs to do in order to have eternal life. First, Jesus tells him that he needs to keep all the commandments, to which the kid says, well, I've been doing that my whole life. Y'all believe him? So Jesus tells him to go and sell his many possessions 
and give everything he has to the poor and then come, follow me. The Bible says that the rich young ruler went away sad because he had many possessions. The truth of the matter is that stuff did not keep that young man from following Jesus. That stuff could have been very useful in Jesus' ministry. We can all acknowledge that we can use what God has blessed us for to help others, right? But Jesus knew this young man couldn't do that, though. This young man was so obsessed with the things of this world that only losing every last penny that he had would break him away from that materialistic spirit that so gripped his heart. Jesus didn't want the man's stuff. He wanted his heart. And he wants ours too. That's the whole point of this sermon. Maybe if we had a little less to focus on, we would focus on Jesus a little more. So go home, clear out your attics and your garage, and give that stuff to someone who really needs it. We are children of the King of Heaven. He owns it all. We don't have to fear tomorrow or worry that we will not be provided for. We don't have to hold on to the excess to make sure that we will always have enough. God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's what the word says. There are some very poor poor folks in this world who live without life's basic necessities. They have little more than the shirts on their back, but I don't see any of them sitting in this room. But they could benefit from our excess. The second thing that we can do is give better. Right now, you know it was just Black Friday and Mars Cyber Monday. You don't even have to leave your house. You can just click, 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 click and buy everything you want. And people are going to go into debt in these few days of the year that it's going to take them the rest of the year or longer to bail themselves out of. For what? Stuff. Toys that kids don't play with. Appliances that get stuck in a cabinet and never used. Sweaters that people don't like and won't wear. Stuff. Debt. Stress. At this time of year, we put way too much focus on gifts. Can I ask you something? Are you going to love every gift you get? No, I never do. (laughs) Malachi's not either. Are you going to love anyone any less if they get you something that you don't really want? Or nothing at all? No. You're just going to add it to the collection of things that you don't really want anyway, but you won't get rid of because somebody bought it for you. So would you stop loving your family if they didn't go out and spend money that they didn't have to buy you things that you don't need? Of course not then why do we do it? Christ should be the focus of Christmas. The perfect gift of eternal significance is the one that he gave us. That's the kind of thing that really matters. This year, instead of spending a ton of money on your kids, why don't you pray for them a ton? Give them a gift, sure. Make it one that you can afford. Buy them a new shirt. 
And before you box it up in that pretty box and wrap it, pray over it. Pray for their hearts and their minds and their souls. Pray that God will make them appreciative of what they have. And pray for us too. This Christmas, let's give things that will echo into eternity. Instead of spending all of our money, why don't we teach our children and our grandchildren the value of the people that surround them? I am ashamed to say that my child has been given way too much in his short life. I never wanted it to be that way. But it's hard to rein those grandmas in, isn't it, Debbie? (laughs) I could tell you that all that stuff has done nothing to shape his character. None of the things that we buy for our children ever will. It actually has the opposite effect. It spoils them and gives them the mindset that they're entitled to whatever they want. And we have a whole generation of them. And guess what? It's our fault. The important things that we give them don't come from a store. They come from time spent, prayers prayed, and lessons taught. We are capable of giving the people in our lives things of eternal significance. We just need to have the correct perspective. We need to give better. Psalm 119, 36 and 37 says, Cause my heart to bow before your words of wisdom and not to the wealth of this world. Help me turn my eyes away from illusions so that I may pursue only that which is true. This year, instead of spending all that money on presents, let's give them the gift of presence. Give others love and appreciation. Give them acceptance and affirmation. That's what we all really desire. Give not of your pocketbook, but of yourself. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, before the thought comes into your mind that you're not rich, let me share some statistics with you. If you own an automobile, you're in the top 5 to 7% of the wealthiest people on the planet. If you have the wherewithal to eat three meals a day, you're among the top 40% of the wealthiest people alive today. See, wealth, like everything else, is subjective. We look at people like Oprah and Bill Gates, and we say, well, that's what rich is. But the truth is, everyone sitting in this room is rich in the eyes of the mother who is at this moment watching her child starve to death. Truth is, In this world, a child dies every 3.9 seconds of starvation and malnutrition. That's one, two, three, four. You get it, right? We're all wealthy. Now, I don't want us to leave here feeling guilty about the blessings that we have in our lives. That is not the purpose of this. But I want us to leave with a new perspective 
on the blessings that we have in our lives. We can have stuff. We cannot let our stuff have us. The word goes on to say, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now this verse stuns me because it says that our actions now lay up treasures for us in the world that is to come. I want you to really think about that. If heaven has streets made of gold, we are storing up true treasure. It's sure going to be something, isn't it? We have the ability right now to make heaven a little heavenlier. That's just how God works. We give things here that we don't need out of the abundance of what God so richly gives to us. And in return, our blessings in eternity are better, greater. What a wonderful God we serve. So the third thing that we can do is give more. If you tithe, great. Give more. You can't outgive God anyway. If you don't tithe, start. Nothing you spend your money on in this age is more important than the investment you make in eternity when you tithe. I know you guys know this verse because Joe prays it every week when he prays over the offering. It's one from Malachi that says, bring the tithe into the storehouse and I will open up the the windows of heavens and pour out a blessing that you will not have room to receive. Test me in this, God says. What you may not know is that verse has an and in it that's just as important. That verse goes on to say, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither will your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The word, which cannot fail, says that if you will trust God with his tithe, because it is his, he will bless you more than you can receive. And not only that, he will rebuke the devourer, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy He will keep the enemy from destroying our stuff. In simple terms, what we have will last longer. I know this to be true. I've seen it played out in my life and the lives of those around me. God will faithfully take care of those who are his and put their trust in him. Now, as I close, I want you to think deeply about your perspective on the things that you have. And I want you to give away. I want you to give better. And I want you to give more. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings. Teach us to hold them loosely and give them freely. You have abundantly blessed each and every one of us. Make us a blessing to others. In Jesus' name. So how much did you love that message? I think all of us could do things a little differently this holiday season. This week, if we can be praying for you or help you in any way, please visit woodlawnpcb.info to connect with us. 
We'll see you next week. 